Hi everyone and welcome to the 645 pod. This is a podcast to help you follow Jesus, especially those in the 645 community at Christchurch, but for everyone else as well. My name is Anton and I'm one of the ministers at Christchurch. And I'm Simon, I'm an MTS apprentice here. And we want to welcome you back to season three. Yay. Looking at some difficult doctrines in the Christian faith. There are some difficult doctrines. Mm -hmm. And the difficult doctrine we're looking at this week is... We're looking at sanctification is our big word of this difficult doctrine. So, holy living for people who sin, I guess is the way you can think about it. Cool. Let's see what we see in the Bible. Okay, so we know that Christians are called to be holy and to live holy lives now that they follow Jesus, but there's it's not quite straightforward to that, eh? Mm. Because we feel like we don't often want to live a holy life or we think it's negative to live a holy life, but then also to go, oh... How can I genuinely be a child of God because I don't live up to his holy standard mm. so much? Yeah. It's a bit of a, um, a sneaky, difficult doctrine, I think. Like, I think we kind of all think, oh, we get how this works. You know, we know that we're made holy. We kind of only think of one side of it. We kind of go, well, we're made holy and kind of it's all simple and fine. Or like we get too far into thinking about everything's about works. But actually the difficulty of this doctrine is kind of holding these two states together at once, you know, that we are holy in Christ, but we do still sin and we need to continue to work out being holy. Um, so it's kind of a little bit sneakily difficult. Sure. You kind of on the surface think, ah, oh, it's that simple sanctification. We're made holy by Jesus. But actually the more you think about it, the more you go, oh, there's some complexity here. Totally. Complexity in our thinking about it, mm. but particularly in us living it out yeah. and walking but with that tension. Yeah. And it's really hard to teach on as well because you don't want to go so far into just saying you're just saved by Jesus. Don't worry about how you live now. But you also don't want to be preaching you that you're saved by works. Like it's a really hard tension to to manage even in your teaching, mm. in leading growth groups, mm. in, in what you're doing from the Bible. It's actually a really difficult tension to try and balance well. Totally, because you want grace to be your your prevailing message mm. because that's what the message of Jesus is. We're saved by God's grace mm. as we live by God's grace as well. But and so how can you how can you encourage people to live in a holy way yeah. without slipping into works righteousness or yeah. thinking that this is what's keeping me up with my standing with mm. God. And I think it's a little bit like we have to work really hard to combat the, the moralism that we're yeah. kind of assigned in the culture, like Christians are good people mm. or even within Christian culture, we have this kind of moralism of, um, you know, upright people who are obviously holy on the outside are kind of looked up to as people who are doing well. And then people who do really obviously sinful things are kind of judged. Whereas actually, we should be aware that we're all in an equally sinful state before God, except for Jesus. Um, and so we kind of have to butt up against these kind of cultural ways of thinking about our, our goodness, I guess, is for want of a better word. Yeah. Um, we've really got to fight kind of going, oh, Christians are good people. Um, and we've worked really hard to fight that by preaching grace. And then sometimes 
people forget about the impact that grace has on our lives. So you actually are called to be good people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was funny. I was speaking with a a someone who's a new believer mm. who's just come to faith uh, a little while ago. And when he told his parents that he was becoming Christian, his parents just couldn't quite comprehend that because mm. you've done so much dodgy stuff and, <laughs> you know, you haven't lived this moral life. Yeah. How can you be a Christian now? Yeah. And so there's this expectation mm. from inside the church and outside that yeah. Christians are to be, are, are people who are yeah. moral, mm. but how does that fit with Jesus coming to die and saving us by grace? And Yeah. And yeah. I remember I door knocked a, a guy once and he said, oh no, I can't come to church. If I walked in, the roof would collapse. You know, kind of <laughs> like, I'm so sinful, the church would collapse yeah. if I walked into it. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's definitely lots of different ideas out there on to how this works, what it is. And, well, um, we should try and explore it and yeah. sort it all out ni- yeah. nicely. No Sift worries. through the yeah. chaos yeah. and make it clear and simple. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you used a big word at the start of the yes. podcast, Simon, which is sanctification. Yeah. What does sanctification mean? Mm. Um, I guess sanctification means being made holy would be the best way I could think of to describe it, which kind of also then uses another Christian jargony word, being holy. Yeah, it's a weird thing because in English we've got the two words holy and holiness Mm. and sanctify and sanctification. Yeah. In the Greek word, it's all from the same root word. So it's Mm. like two different words in English, whereas actually only one Greek word that spring the two yeah. types of English words. The Greek word is hagiadzo. Yeah. And so you can, you can, if you think about it in your head, sanctification is having been made holy Yeah. or to sanctify something is to make it holy. Yeah. It's like our verb form of holiness, I guess. Yes. Except when you make a shun on the end and then it becomes a noun again. Yeah. <laughs> anywho, so yeah, think when you think sanctification or holiness, you can interchange them yeah. in your mind. We need to say the right word that works in English, obviously, but yeah. they're the, they you know think the same. They concept. convey the same ideas. Yeah. Yes, but what is holiness? Mm. What is sanctification? Yeah, yeah. Well, obviously, holiness comes from God. God is the ultimate holy one. Yeah, not just that he's moral, even though he is moral, but it's a it's an otherness, mm. separateness, yeah, uh, distinctness from creation really that yeah. God is. That's kind of that base definition of holy, isn't it? To be set apart. Yeah. And so with God making us holy, with God sanctifying us, he gives us that aspect of holiness. He, he sets us apart mm. to be his chosen people and his people who live uh, in a distinct way. Mm. And so, kind of, it, it can kind of take on the, the dedicated to God mm. or the uh, um, appointed by God yeah. notion. Yeah. Yeah, you've set, it, set something apart for a specific purpose. That's right, yeah. But it also comes with a, a standard, mm. uh, with God being not only distinct, but also perfectly loving, perfectly mm. moral, perfectly good. If we are holy as he is holy, or if we're called to be holy as he mm. is holy, that's where the that's where our lives need to reflect that status in how we live. Yeah. So we can only have relationship with God if we are holy, because if God is perfect and holy, he can't tolerate anything yeah. unholy. Mm. 
Oh, and you really see that in kind of the Old Testament and mm-hmm. outworking of why the law exists. You mm-hmm. know, the law sets God's people apart, both from the world around them and to be holy, to be able to approach and relate to God. So the law kind of functions as their kind of uh, version of sanctification. We'll come to you later on for what that looks like for Christians. But it's a really obvious, practical, tangible way that we can see the difference of God and the difference that people should be acting in how they relate to God if they are his people. Yeah. And that's, and the wonderful thing of course, with the news of Jesus Mm. is that through Jesus, we can now be made holy. Mm. And so in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 10, it says by that will, by God's will, we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. Mm. So what the old Testament sacrificial system did in a repeated way, having to repeat sacrifices in order Mm. for God's people to be holy. By the one sacrifice of Jesus, we have this status of holiness from God Mm. so that we can enter into God's presence. Mm. He can fill us by his spirit and uh, we can live a life of holiness because we've been made holy. Yeah. And that's one aspect of sanctification. Yeah. Which is called positional sanctification. Yeah. So this is this is your you you're in the position of yeah. holiness. Yeah. Like in a car, you're in either in the position of <laughs> reverse gear or drive. Yeah. When you press the, the accelerator, you're going to you're going to find out <laughs> <laughs> not one you want to confuse. That's right, that's right. Again, similarly with being a Christian, yeah. you're or being a human, you're either in the position of holiness or yeah. not. But for Christians, if we except the sacrifice of Jesus, we're in the position of being holy, yeah. being sanctified. Yeah, so it's a completely binary state. You're either one or the other. You're not a little bit one or a little bit the other. You're not like, oh, I'm like a, a bit sanctified. Yeah. Like you can't be a bit sanctified by Jesus. You can mm-hmm. either be fully and completely sanctified or um, not at all. Yeah, and so like in 1 Corinthians six eleven, Paul writes to the Christians in Corinth, Uh, That is what some of you were, lots of bad things, but you were washed, you were sanctified. Mm. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. So they're saying you were sanctified. It's a a thing that's happened to you already. Mm. And that's that positional declaration that, no, because of Jesus, you Mm. are holy in God's sight. Mm. But there's a flip side um, is... And this is the fascinating tension that we have to try and think about is, yes, we have been set apart by God. We've been justified by uh, Jesus and his death. Um, And so we are in that binary state of sanctified. Uh, But actually, the Bible kind of uses it in two sorts of ways. So we have that positional sanctification. But also, we get the impression as we read the New Testament that the sanctification is also a process. So it's kind of the opposite of binary. It's a progression. <laughs> yeah. um, so, and they use the same word, hooray. Yeah. <laughs> I think we've talked about in our other ones, you know, doctrine often is trying to hold two things that mm. seemingly completely oppose each other together and mm-hmm. figuring out how to deal with that tension. So this is our tension for sanctification. It's both a binary state and, I guess, a progression on a treadmill or whatever. Yeah, and the Bible clearly states the 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 tension mm. in that. So, for example, in Hebrews ten fourteen, it says, "For by one sacrifice he has made perfect." So we've been made perfect. That's mm. the positional sanctification. 
For by one sacrifice, he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. Yeah. So we've got the we are perfect, we're positionally sanctified, Yeah. yet we're being made holy. Yeah. What we might call progressive sanctification. Mm. We are growing in holiness or developing in holiness as well as being called yeah. positionally holy. Yeah. Do you think there's a helpful way we can kind of separate those things out? So the progressive sanctification is almost like a character progression, right? It's a, it's a growth in who we are, how we act, a, a transformation of our character to be more and more godly, whereas positional sanctification is our actual state. Mm-hmm. You know, so it actually is an external thing that is unchanging, whereas this second way the Bible talks about sanctification is internal within us as we are transformed by God's Spirit. So it may be like I'm, like I'm, I'm married, so therefore I've got the status of a husband. Mm. That's just who yeah. I am. Because you made I'm, those promises. That's right. That's it. I've been declared a husband. But in another sense, I'm also growing as a husband. Mm. So day by day as I uh, live sacrificially for my wife, as I understand her better, then m- me as husband grows and develops mm. as well. Mm. So maybe it's something like that. Yeah, and I guess that's quite helpful because it's not like these two things are completely unrelated to each other. You know, you're a husband and that's the status that you're given when you make those promises, and so that's who you become. But actually, because you've been given that status, it starts to transform your character. And so it, it's there's a link there that actually your status impacts who you are now and how you act. Yeah, so that's the key. This is the key in sanctification is the relationship mm. between positional sanctification and progressive sanctification. Yeah. How are they related? If you understand that, then we can live with the mm. tension between the two. If we go if we overemphasize our positional sanctification, we might go, "Oh, look, I'm saved, so I can do whatever I want and yeah. God will still be happy with me." Yeah. But obviously that's not biblical. If we overemphasize our the progressive sanctification side, then we might thinking, oh, I'm only God's only happy with me when I'm doing the right thing. Yeah. I need to earn my way to his mm. favor. And of course that's not biblical either. Yeah. And I guess that's where the either you could talk about husband and wife or father or mother kind of analogies are really helpful because you can kind of go, you're given the status of husband and you could just go, okay, that's what I am. It's not going to impact how I live my life and do whatever you want. Mm. Um, and that's completely wrong. Yeah. Ridiculous. Or you can make no promises, but act like a husband and also that's ridiculous, Still right? Like, just because you act like a husband doesn't make you a make husband. You a, yeah. Mm. And so it's it's that interrelation of the status and the progression of character that helps you to understand sanctification. Yeah, that's right. And so in terms of living as, you know, in terms of holy living for people who mm. sin, they're the things we need to remember. So when we, when we sin, mm. We've got to remember, hang on, I'm still positionally sanctified. Yeah. God is, I'm still counted as holy by the blood of Jesus, by his sacrifice. And so, like, we'll think about this a bit more, but when we sin, we mustn't lose, mm. mustn't forget about that and therefore be discouraged or think that yeah. God is against me. Yeah. Because that's just not true, even when we sin. Yeah. I guess that's that's really important because it can be so easy to be 
crushed by this expectation of holiness, especially even when you read some of the examples in the Bible, you look at the example of Jesus and his holiness as our example to follow. Or even other people in church where you think, yeah. whoa, they're so holy. Yeah. You kind of can can feel a bit discouraged and go, mm. oh, but I'm not like that. Mm. Like I just did this like an hour ago. Mm. I'm not holy. Um, and you can be really crushed by your sin. Mm. And that can be really damaging for uh, Christians in community because it can mean that you feel so deeply ashamed Mm. of the way that you failed. It means that it'll make you want to hide your flaws and your failures Mm. um, from other people um, and it can build this deeply shallow and competitive uh, atmosphere between Christians when you uh, think that your sanctification in terms of your rightness before God can be that impacted by you being sinful and it's really 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 destructive and negative i've seen the bad impacts it's have had on other christians Mm. they kind of talked about how um they see these other people and they look externally so holy and they feel so crushed by that and they kind of steadily withdraw because they go oh i'm not that good and they kind of just do a slow pull away as they kind of feel guilty and then the pulling away makes them feel more guilty so they pull away further and you know then you are just crushed by this expectation to be perfect all the time. And that's so unhelpful and so unhealthy in a, in a Christian context. Yeah. Because as Ephesians says, is it, it is by grace you have been saved, mm. not by works. And this is a gift from God. Yeah. Um, and so to think that, to forget about that is so mm. uh, sad because mm. that, that's the heart of the Christian faith. And mm. we should be living that out by returning to God when we sin, yeah. accepting his forgiveness once again and remembering that we've been made holy not through our works but through the one work of Jesus mm. on the cross. Yeah, and it should lead us to be confident, to be open and vulnerable mm-hmm. in Christian community. If that is our position and nothing can impact that, we can have that confidence to go, okay, it's okay if people notice I sin or someone rebukes me or I do something really obvious or I, I share something that I've been struggling with mm-hmm. because actually we're all in that same boat um, and that's that's actually part of the tension of the Christian life. Yeah. Like We will do things wrong, we're not perfect um, and we can help each other in that. And so having that position, the positional sanctification can give us the confidence to share what we're going through, to talk to other people and to be honest when we fail. Yeah. So then, how should we think about living a holy life? Mm. How should we, you know, in, in some ways you could hear this and go, oh, well, I don't want to be one of those people who are seen as really holy. <laughs> you know, that could be unhelpful to people, you know. Yeah. How, what should, how should we, how should we think about our holy mm. life? Mm. I guess going back to the husband analogy, having that position should make us want to live like someone who has that state. Um, you know, having the position of husband makes you go, I want to live life as the best husband I can be. And so actually having the position of knowing that we're sanctified should be a motivating thing for us to go out and live holy lives. It shouldn't be the, it shouldn't be a fear thing or we're pushing ourselves to make ourselves holy so we can attain that position actually we have the position and so that should motivate us to go i actually want to live like someone who is in this position like someone who is holy um and actually 
live a godly life. So it should be a, a positive motivation rather than a negative fear-based motivation. We can be excited and, and want to live a holy life because that's what God has made us. Yeah, there's a couple of verses that reflect that, the the, the relationship between our status and how we should live. So here's verses actually, but here's a couple. Uh, Colossians 3 verse 1 says, Since then you have been raised with Christ. So there's our status. We were raised yeah. with Christ. We're holy in his sight. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. And it goes on. So there's so because of who we are, we're raised with Christ mm. in this position with Jesus. Therefore, we should set our hearts and minds on on holy things, mm. on the things of God, reflecting who we are. Yeah. Or in 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 1, it says, as for other matters, brothers and sisters, we instructed you how to live in order to please God, mm. as in fact you are now living, and now we ask and urge you to do this more and more. So there's our goal. Mm. It's not to be holy to earn our status or anything like that or to be better than anyone else. Mm. But Paul, in his teaching to the church, instructs people in how to live in order to please God. Mm. If we're God's people, pleasing God should be our motivation yeah. for holy living. Yeah. And that's a really exciting way to think about it, you know, coming back to our ideas of moralism that we were talking about at the start, they're kind of all defined by being better than another person, being more holy than someone else, being externally holy, whereas this is a really beautiful, positive motivation to go, actually, this is because God has made me holy, I'm going to want to live this way, mm -hmm. and that will be a, a good and a, and a joyful thing for me to be able to live a, a holy life, to try and live a holy life for God. Yeah, so our motivation is God. It's, it's trying to please him. It's trying to do what's, what, what's right in his sight, not to earn his favor, but to earn his delight in mm. some ways or to receive his commendation yeah. on the last day that say, well done, good on you. I was, I was so pleased when you did that for yeah. me. Yeah. And I think it's also helped for us to think about um, the role of the Holy Spirit in this. Um, you know, God doesn't just say, you're sanctified. Okay, now go off and, and struggle. Like he doesn't leave us alone in a, in a sinful body in this sinful state. But actually God uh, gives us his spirit to help transform our hearts and minds um, through his word. As we read and as we understand what pleases God, um, God helps us to live that holy life. He doesn't leave us alone in that. Yeah. So Titus 2.11 says, For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people, it teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright and godly lives in this present age. Mm. So by God's, is the grace of God empowered by the Holy Spirit, we'll be, we'll be taught how to say no, not just mm. taught what holiness looks like, but yeah. actually instructed on, no, we can say no to ungodly things and we can grow in self-control. Mm upright lives, godly lives, by the power of the Holy Spirit. Mm. Yeah. And that's so wonderful to kind of know that God helps us with this. Um, we're not in it on our own. But what if we don't want to? Mm. What if we, like, we know we're saved, we know what we should do, but we just don't want to do the right thing. Mm. We're either in a really tempting situation 
or we're finding a particular scene really appealing. Mm. What do we do then? Yeah. I think Paul kind of captures that tension of these two natures. I think in Romans, maybe you can figure out where that is, but he talks about, you know, his, he doesn't do the things he wants to do and the things he doesn't want to do, he's doing. Like he really understands that kind of, that tension that we have of actually we are still in a sinful body. Um, we still will struggle with sin and these things in um, the world will still tempt us and will still want to do the wrong thing. Like that would be part of our experience. Yeah, okay. So we've got another aspect thrown into the mix here, which you've mentioned, is that we have been declared holy by God mm. and yet the work of God is not complete in us. Yeah. We still live with fallen natures so mm. we still are inclined to want to do yeah. sinful selfish things and we live in a fallen world and so we will be tempted by other people or other things or images mm. to do the wrong thing as well let alone the devil being thrown in as well yeah. and so we are we are not going to live our lives perfectly now because of those sin things because of yeah. the world the flesh and the devil. Mm. And so we need to be real like the Bible is real and go, okay, no, we're not going to, yeah, we're not going to live perfectly. We're not yeah. going to live unblemished lives. Yeah. And so at that moment, what do we do? Well, we, when we recognize our sin, when the Holy Spirit convicts us of sin, mm. we repent mm. and not just feel repentance is more than just remorse, feeling sorry for yourself, yeah. but it's actually uh, renouncing yeah. It's renouncing what you've just done and go, okay, I will seek never to do that again or I'll seek mm. to grow in self-control or in... Yeah. And there may be particular areas of your life where you find it particularly hard to say no to sin or particularly hard to want to be holy. Um, and those are areas where it's really great to have other Christians around you. You know, it's kind of the reverse of that competitive atmosphere that we're talking mm. about that's really unhelpful. Yeah. Actually, the Christian fellowship can be really helpful in working out sanctification because people can keep you accountable. You can talk about how it's really difficult for you to say no in this area or to do that, that good thing that you just don't want to do. Um, and actually other Christians can be really helpful uh, to keep you on track, to actually point you back to the gospel when maybe you're not wanting to live a holy life. Actually, uh, another, another brother or sister in Christ can point you back to Jesus and say, no, look, this is, this is why we do this. This is why we care about being holy because of what Jesus has done. Uh, and sometimes you can lose sight of that just for yourself. Uh, if you're just kind of trying to work through this all by yourself, you can kind of get lost in your own, in your own head. I can get lost in my own head. Happens a lot. How about that? Um, and people externally to help you can be yeah. really helpful in this. That's right. Because they can do, a few things they can go, okay, they can remind you, yes, you are holy, not by what you've just done, obviously, but because of Jesus Christ. Mm. And so they can say, no, you are holy. Don't feel like you're far from God at this point. Uh, they can, so they can remind you of your status and they can remind you, no, this is not who you are. This is not how you're to live. Mm. You're to live to please God. Yeah. And so let's do what we can and put things in place or mm. set up some accountability so that we will live to please God. And also they can warn you. Mm. So ad admonishment, warning is something that we are to do mm. with one another to go, hey, if you don't take this in seriously, yeah. 
then you'll be living against the person that God is making you to be. Mm. And that's really dangerous because sin leads to a bad consequences. So sin is never good for you. You need to remember that, but also it can lead to death if we follow our heart to sin in a way that leads us to turn away from God. Yeah. And I think also a a thing that's really important to note is this is not easy. I think we can kind Mm -hmm. of think, we're a Christian now. Yeah, I should be able to say no to sin all the time. It should be just come to me naturally. Um, but actually, the Bible is realistic in this too and says, actually, this is going to be hard. Mm-hmm. It's not easy to say no to sin. It's not easy to live differently to the world around you. Um, and actually, it's worth just saying being a Christian isn't easy and wanting to live a holy life is not easy. And so we shouldn't expect it to be easy all the time. And we should be willing to make those sacrifices to live a holy life, to try and live in a way that pleases God and recognize that actually it, it's hard and that's okay. That's how it is in the fallen world that we live in. Totally. It's hard, but it is also wonderful because living a holy life it, it brings you back to who you are in Christ. Mm. That's what we're made for. And we get to live in a way like if you, if you act in kindness to someone or if you do something out of love for other people or if you resist temptation in this area, you can genuinely go, I'm so happy about that mm. because it pleases God my Father. Mm. You know, it's only by the grace of God and the work of the Holy Spirit that I could do that, so we yeah. can't be proud about it. But we can genuinely be happy, like, yes, I did something that pleased mm. God, and that's such a good feeling, knowing that you've done mm. what God wants you to do. And also it's good for you. Yeah, God's made us as humans to live in line with his, his uh, instructed will, with, uh, with the way that he's made us, mm. which is outlined in all the instructions in the Bible. Yeah. And so when we do that, generally speaking, things go well mm. uh, with, with life. So, you know, if you don't lie to one another, relationships are just better. You know, if you don't use each other sexually, a relationship's just better. Mm. Um, and there'll be times when that will bump us up against the world and that'll be hard. But yeah. on the whole, living a godly life works. Mm. And it's good. And so it's a wonderful thing to honor our Father, Heavenly Father, by the way that we live. And it works well in terms of how he's made us. Mm. Yeah. So there's sanctification, the two ideas that we're biting up, the positional, we are made holy. We're set apart. It's binary. God has done this. We don't change that. But it leads us to want to live a holy life. And God helps us to do that. He gives us other Christians to help us to do that. And actually living a holy life is a beautiful thing. Well, that was a really great chat on sanctification. One book that I, which is old and I read it years ago, but is really helpful, The Pursuit of Holiness by Jerry Bridges. Mm -hmm. That's kind of my go-to book for all these things. And I just found that really helpful. So you can hit that up on wherever you read. But it is time for Blank Space. 
Which is something that helps us grow in holiness week by week. <laughs> Certainly helps us in our humility. <laughs> well, yes, particularly me, because Simon, what's the score at the moment after three rounds? Uh, after three rounds, you are on three and I am on four, which oh. I think we said is the first time in a very long time, possibly since the start of season one, where I am ahead of you mm-hmm. in trivia. Yeah. So let's see how we go yeah let's see if you can get further ahead okay we're up to the the topic is numbers yeah so i don't think i'll get much further ahead this week (laughs) we'll see yeah we'll see after this question anyway how many men were sent up to attack i initially (laughs) i is a town by the way ai I honestly am not even sure where this sits in the Bible. It's obviously Old Testament, but generally I can go, oh yeah, okay, that's something that happens in Genesis. <laughs> so it's going to be a stab in the dark guess. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to go with 500. No, it's more than that. Mm. 3,000. Yeah, okay. It's from Joshua. Ah, yeah. yeah I mean, I Joshua. recognized I as a place. Mm. Like, I was like, I know that's in the Bible somewhere, but could not think of where. Yeah, okay. All right. Here's my chance. Do you want to do the other one? Next one? Yeah, now? let's oh, just okay, do back okay, to back. Okay, here we go. How many Israelites... <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> How many Israelites were killed by the men of Ai? <laughs> okay, so is it a battle that went well or badly is what I'm trying to think. Was it none of them because they were doing a good job or, or lots of them because they were sinful at the time? I'm going to say... None of them. Again, a little low. <laughs> Not as low. 36. Okay. Yeah. So it was few. Only, yes, a few. I think it was still a good battle. Yeah. By the sound of things. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, we're back to, back to usual. But... Well, you're still in the lead, Simon. <laughs> we'll see what you get. <laughs> How many men did Solomon send to quarry, to the quarry to cut stone for the temple? I would have read this recently because I have just been reading through Kings. Mm. 500. It was quite a lot more than 500. 3,000? 500. (laughs) Also incorrect. (laughs) 80,000. 80,000. It's a huge number of people. It's a lot of number. That's even more than battled at I. Yeah. All sent to the quarry to cut stone. That's that's a pretty incredible number. Um, Okay. How many branches did the golden lampstand in the wilderness sanctuary have? Oh, I was about to say surely it's seven, but is it 12? No. Oh, which one? Because something represents the 12 tribes of Israel. Is it the lampstand? Yes, I'm going to say yes, 12. Well, neither number was correct. (laughs) It was not seven or 12. It was six. Uh, I don't know if it's a symbolic number. Probably. You're, isn't it in Zechariah as well? Yeah, well? yeah, but they're different lampstands. Oh, maybe we'll think of them. Yeah, these are the actual the ones that go in the tabernacle. And I feel like it would be reflective of that anyway. Yeah. Six. Six. Great. What a round. Yeah. Well, it's a good thing we just talked about how our state before God is not anything of our own achievement. No. Because um, we, we both failed. <laughs> So, scores have remained unchanged. How about that? Yeah. Three to me, four to you. Let's, um, let's, well, wait till next week. Yeah, the tension remains for next week. Will I stay ahead? (laughs) 
All right, that's it for another episode of the 645 Pod. Uh, thanks for joining us for another one. I really enjoyed thinking about sanctification. I hope it was really helpful for you, either challenging or comforting. I guess it's a little bit of both thinking about this doctrine, really. Depends on the time of day. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we are continuing through looking at our difficult doctrines. Uh, what are we looking at next week, Anton? Uh, we're looking at the doctrine of the canon, which is a funny word. One mm. N, not... Double yeah, not, not bang. Not pirate ship cannon, but yeah. uh, uh, basically how the books got into the Bible, which books mm. should be in the Bible and how they got there. Yeah, that's an interesting question. It is. I'm keen to figure that out when we talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> See you next week. Bye.